Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. New chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's a record store. Something good for you. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the something good for you podcast where the two of us sit through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week because that means you can listen to it every week it's not like we're putting them out every week right <laughs> we try we've had a lot going on but as always my co-host captain nun hey yo yes and no guest with us today just the two of us just no we're just hanging out just hanging out by the uh, di- Hanging out by the digital fireplace. As always. And nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else. Uh, No, but up top, I wanted to go ahead and just take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, We've got some badass shows coming up because, as you're probably aware if you've listened to the show long enough, we have a vinyl record coming out. You can actually order it advanced copies it's no longer pre-order copies or advanced copies <laughs> yeah I, I changed the title on the website <laughs> <laughs> so now you can order your advanced copy of never heard of them and you can get it ahead of everyone else because right now it's exclusive to vinyl only <laughs> that's why i've been wanting to really kind of stress to folks is right now it's vinyl only and so it's only through the website for a minute this would be the only way you'll you'll be able to hear it yeah so. it comes with a download code but yes <laughs> but either way it's like right now everything you need yeah you've got everything you need but right now it's like that that's that's where we're rolling it's like it's vinyl exclusive right now and and you can't even really get it in a record store yet uh we're kind of saving that because we've got a bunch of these cool show announcements that i just wanted to take care right up top uh starting off the uh never heard of them run it's definitely not a tour. <laughs> Just little pockets, little, uh, little weekend pockets, warrior weekend deals warrior here and there. Pockets. Starting it off uh, March 7th, we're going to be running back up to the rim. Uh, I know that Mama Tequila is confirmed for that, and I believe Home for the Day might be making it up for it. I might be speaking out of turn, but hey, I've got enough time to edit it there <laughs> before, you go. before it comes out, if not. Uh, but yeah, so Home for the Day should be coming up for that one. And then, uh, fast forwarding on to the 20th, we're going to be playing at yesterday's Records and CD in Seneca, South Carolina. That's what we're rolling with. We have no idea. <laughs> I think Seneca, Seneca. 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 I don't know. <laughs> with the Silver Tongue Devils, and then we're going to be dragging them back up to the milestone the following day on the 21st, and then we're also going to be playing with the Walburns on that day. And that's going to be our big record release blowout and after that it'll be available digitally so it's still got a few more months uh to go before you know you get it digitally but yeah uh and then after that you can find it at repo record uh lunchbox record anywhere else locally and i know that uh danny from hobo wolfman records uh shout out danny (laughs) he's got some for you uh, yes, he's got some on his site, and uh, he's been throwing some up in his local record shops uh, around the Chicago area. So I think that's pretty cool of him. So, but uh, for the short term, uh, if you're into us, we're bringing it to you. So definitely come out to the shows, and we'll have them ready for you. Yeah, because we are like that's the only reason we're doing this at the top of the show because like <laughs> we're really fucking excited about this. We've wanted to do this for a really long time. <laughs> and I know it's finally it. happening. So we're, we're just really stoked about it. And we just want to get the word out as much as possible. We know it's kind of tacky to do this at the top of the show, but 
oh fucking well it's our fucking show <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't have sponsors <laughs> no one's paying us yet <laughs> no it's just it's a project that we just really love putting together and uh, we want to share it with you and i'm proud of it so yeah uh, we we all of us really are so if you want to get your copy before anyone else go to the com slash store and you can pick up your advanced copy on random color vinyl uh, of course comes with the download code and all that good shit um and then if you want to wait for it to be in person uh Come on up to the rim, West Virginia on the 7th, uh, yesterday's records and uh, the 20th, Milestone the 21st. Yes, and sir. And I know we've even got some stuff not confirmed yet, but in the works uh, for some South Carolina and Atlanta dates. We'll definitely keep you posted on all that, so uh, follow us online for all those details. Yeah. And one final thing I actually want to say about the record, which is the fun thing. Uh, if you get a copy of the record, that's going to be different than the digital release that winds up coming out because the record is a 10 track record. you got seven new songs on it, but you got three, uh, no love lost the re-recorded drinking again and save the rock that were exclusive to the cassette tape. Now they're being pressed to the record. Yep. But when we put it out digitally, those three songs will not be included. So the digital copies that you'll get on Spotify, iTunes, you know, Apple music, all that shit, uh, it's just going to be the seven new songs. So the record is a variant than what you'll be getting, you know, through digital stuff. And we honestly don't have plans for CDs. It's pretty exclusive. Yeah. So you get something a little extra with the vinyl anyway. So yeah. <laughs> enough of our bullshit. We might as well go ahead and throw this on over to Johnny G so he can tell you about what's going on this weekend in the Charlotte area and surrounding areas. Take it away, Johnny. CLTC and beyond, it is Johnny G with your moment over at the Something Good For You podcast. Our Maverick Minute is getting on after having a week break, but we're back in the flow, so let's get right on into it. On this Friday, the final day of January at the Evening News, George Bailey has his CD release with Sinners and Saints at 9 p.m. The one with famous Milestone is hosting Cosmic Reaper with Bunnies, Shiv, and the, one, the old one-two at 8 Neighborhood Theater, we got two events this weekend that are actually sponsoring it, the Australian Wildlife Relief Benefit. At this event tonight, or on Friday night, Petrov, Stray Cat Sideshow, Go-Go Pilot, Truck Stop Preachers, School of Rock Charlotte, all at 7 p.m. The Visual Aid Theater, Sun-Dried Vibes, Return of the Vibes, featuring John Listick and Jeremy Anderson of Treehouse, starting at 8 p.m. Snug Harbor, we have Indigo D. Sozo with MJ Letterman, and Ira Everywhere, DJ set starting at 9 p.m. Petra's, it's the final day, final Friday of the month. Mirror Moves is on starting at 9. Get your 80s, 90s groove on. Over at Hattie's Tap and Tavern, Party Battleship will be starting at 7 p.m. Crown Station, Kid Lab presents Basistic Euphoria Rebirth at 9. Amos of South End, Black Flag starts at 7. Skylark Social Club, Chris and Darby Wilcox, along with Admiral Radio, starting at 7 p.m. Over at Tommy's Pub, we have The Bleeps, Family Video, My Blue Hope, and Family Friends, starting at 8. Tom Street Tavern, Josh Daniel and Mark Schmick, get on at 10. Smokey Joe's McKinley Gap starts at 10. And Heist Brewing with Copper Pierce and the Jam Cooperative with special guest Ross Binnenborough at 9 p.m. Going over to your Saturday, the first day of February, Evening Muse is going to have at 7, Jim Everett and Grizzly Goat, followed by April B. and The Cool, with Lemon City Trio at 10 p.m. 
over the world famous milestone local only Saudi with DJ Teddy and Mike Byer at 4 p.m. Kicks off over at 8 p.m. Nemesis with Rights of Sedation, Neverfall, Morganton, and Proximita. Over at the Neighborhood Theater, Dawn of the Buffalo comes in at 7. Over at the Visual Theater, we have two tributes, The Big Empty and Glycerine at 7. Snug Harbor is hosting the second of the benefits coming through. In it, we're going to have Modern Moxie, Rocky River, Nightmare Band, and the Straight Jackets starting at 9 p.m. Petra's Off the Wall comes over at 8. Crown Station Release comes back with a classic Soulful Afro 2020 edition starting at 9 p.m. Tip Top Market, Dream Plaza starts at 7. Amos of South End, Mock of Ages, the ultimate Death Lever tribute, and Poisoned is back with their Poisons tribute at 7 p.m. Skylark Social Club, Comedy and Open Mic, hosted by Jim Snyder, starts at 8. And Smokey Joe's SRO starts at 10. Finally, to close out the day, Free Range Brewing, Kendo starts at 9 p.m. And on your Sunday, get ready for this. Snug Harbor, Bone Snugs and Harmony got you, has you with the karaoke of the week at 6 p.m. Best in the city. And Petra's Bill Hanna's Jazz Sessions start at 7.30. And that's really all we have for your Sunday. But I do want to include that we not only help ourselves out here at Something Good For You Podcast, but we also like to give a shout out to other ones. So I'm going to go over some of the music podcasts that are coming through this week. Gabby Gabahan Talks is coming in with episode four of that series, hosted by Mike Phillip of Van Huskins. He's talking to Dead Peasant Studio. That dropped today. Today being Wednesday when I'm recording this. Uh, new and familiar, Modern Moxie's talking to Amplifier. That dropped a little bit ago, but doing it over the music video and kind of a little bit of their band, so give that a listen. And Spit My Face podcast, hosted by Frankie Pizza, has episode 302, season 3. Go check that out. That's all for me this week. Follow me on Instagram, the WordPress page, my Facebook pages, at ReportFrom20XX. Guys, I love you. I'll see you next week. Johnny G, man. Johnny G, and we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He's making his rounds. I saw, I was talking to you earlier about his, uh, Queen City Nerva article he put out. Yeah, I'm really congratulations on that. I, I, he's been doing some really cool stuff in that, and I know he, we talked about it on the last episode. Him getting geared up for doing photography and video and stuff like that. So definitely give him a follow. Uh, all his information's in the website. Uh, all that's in the show notes and all that good shit. And just look at our Facebook. We share his posts a good bit. Hire the dude. He's got a passion for music and he loves what he does. Speaking of music, I feel like this is what the main topic of this episode is going to be. We hadn't had really a music talk one in a minute. We've, we've kind of talked about the things surrounding music, the scenes, well, what we've done with music, but we hadn't like talked about music well, by, in a minute. Pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, we li- we uh, live together and uh, we have completely different work schedules, so we barely see each other throughout the week, too. So we don't well, get that's ha- all, uh, well, yeah, but that's also part of my design because I'm a hermit. Right. <laughs> and I just, I like just coming home and just being in my cave. <laughs> right. So we don't get to hang all that much. Yeah. So it's like, 
we just had usually we talk about music stuff so by the time you know the podcast comes on it's like well we've already talked about all that <laughs> but feels, this is what like we, we're just rehashing it but, but this is what we do too is like i'll get in like music nerd conversations with like every fucking musician because that's what we do oh absolutely but it's like but by the time we would bring it to the table it'd be like it feels like we're recreating a conversation and it just feels weird <laughs> i want to keep work at work man <laughs> <laughs> well no i don't want to keep work with work it's just i don't want it to feel like like what well, we've never done it, but I never wanted to feel like we're just repeating something that we've already said because we know it's content. I know it. <laughs> I always want it to be fresh and it always has. I just always want it to be fresh to each other. You know, if we have, you know, a hot take or some news to talk about. Oh, or dude, I mean, that's, just, that's how it is with like anything. It's like sports fans, with like music fans with like just fucking everybody. When you just like, you know what? And you already had like the same opinion going into it too. And like, it's just like, you agree with this, right? <laughs> oh no. And I'll hear other podcasts talk about, uh, like they'll be hanging out before the show and, and people will go like, Oh yeah. Did you, <laughs> I already <laughs> said that. Well, no, not, I already said that, but like they'll stop themselves from saying something. So it's like, uh, no, I can say that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's definitely happened a couple, like twice, <laughs> a couple of times, uh, tonight actually. Yeah. No serious. Because, um, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do. Uh, so we were just kind of sitting here and was like, fuck, we don't have a guest to kind of bounce off of. I'm, we've had a really shitty work weeks and we've had enough bitchy episodes. So I kind of <laughs> don't want to do that either. Also like full disclosures, like we got a lot of shit coming up too. So, yeah. <laughs> which is another reason I'm like, buy this fucking record. <laughs> Come out to these shows. But, uh, one of the first things you wound up doing uh, when we wound up coming in, you threw on a uh, billion dollar babies, which by the way, beautiful green, like splatter swirl vinyl. Yeah. I forget how, what year that was. It was, it was during uh, it was a repress, but it kept all the uh, same gate folds and accessories that the original pressings had to like the dollar mm. bill and all that. And that got me thinking though, is like, I, I mentioned it kind of to you, but I'll, I'll just kind of go back to this is I would definitely say I'm a huge one. I'm a pretty good Alice Cooper fan. I wouldn't say huge as in I know all the history and the lore and the backgrounds and this, that, and the other. But you it's have like, like your favorite era Alice Cooper that you revisit regularly. Absolutely. I still have, you know, I, I I can listen to a good like five or six records front to back. You know, it's like I would consider myself, you know, a genuine Alice Cooper fan. Not a super fan like Kiss, but a fan. <laughs> but when you were playing the record tonight, it really dawned on me that Billion Dollar Babies is one of the few records I don't revisit much. Why is that? Because that was uh, actually now that you mention it, I think my favorite record is uh, "Love It to Death," mm-hmm. just for the rawness of it. Yeah, and but with billion Di- billion dollar babies, it's it's a different charm to it, like the arrangement, um, the Bob Ezraness of the arrangements mm-hmm. is what like keeps me coming back to it or whatever particularly with the title track but you don't like the title track well i I wouldn't say i don't like it but it's never been a favorite and usually i do skip and we'll and trust me we'll go into the bob ezrin talk later that (laughs) this is a segue into bob ezrin talk but and, and kind of discussing like his fingerprints and stuff because i think that also works with billion dollar babies because one of my favorites is welcome to my nightmare yeah and that has ezrin all over it so that I don't whole f- record. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I so I don't think that because of him, I don't care for this record. I don't know. It just it feels like 
a, there's a lot of songs on here I do like, but I have to kind of be selective with it. I don't really listen to this one front to back like I would Love It to Death or Welcome to My Nightmare or Killers or, you know, or Killer rather. Yeah. I think, uh, you know what? I think uh, between Killer, Love It to Death, Nightmare, Billion Dollar Babies. Yeah, I think uh, Nightmare and um, Billion Dollar Baby are kind of neck and neck. But really? that's just because I'm an arrangement nerd. Yeah, and it, so I was like, I'm kind of scrolling through the um, the list now, and it's like that's tough though. It it is though because I'm I'm just scrolling through the list of the songs on this record, and Mr. Nice Guy, Sick Things, Love the Dead. Those are really the only ones I'll like go through and actually listen to. Yeah, as a whole, I guess it's not nearly as strong as the, uh, especially Nightmare, especially fucking well, Love it to Death. Well, don't on this because, you know, no, th- this is literally the, like, no, I totally get it, though. But, but this is one of the two co- copies on vinyl you have, so clearly you like the record, so I'm, I'm wanting you to defend it some and explain to me why it is one that, out of all of them, that was one you decided to pick up on vinyl. Honestly, like when I saw it at the store and, I, and it had like all the gatefold and the uh, all the little accessories with it too, that was mm. one of those like cool like collector oh, collection okay. accessory <laughs> deals more than anything to be honest with you. It's like when you find a certain like kiss pressing of fucking... Damn, I was hoping to have you like nah, change my mind that was this. That was more of an... <laughs> So now that you mentioned that, it was more of an impulse buy than anything. Well, so I was I was kind of hoping for that because you uh, we were talking about the... I had to find some kind of the... justification for it. It's like, why did it? It's like, oh, you know what? Nah. <laughs> well, I was hoping the justification for it was because you genuinely liked the record because you were talking about you liked you know the Bob Ezrin aspect of it. One of the things Ezrin really thrives in is creating an album as a whole, not singles. He's not a singles guy. He creates albums. Right. So I didn't know like if maybe there was a certain aspect to the album as a whole that kind of you gravitated toward more than say something else. Um, I guess, no, not that one in particular. I guess I never really got into the lore behind any of that either. As far as like, uh, Bob Ezrin's, uh, Alice Cooper approach. I'll have to revisit it with that lens with uh, him. I've been, you know, going down rabbit holes of like how to make records online and shit like that. I would overanalyze like destroyer or the Hanoi rocks record and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff more than anything. But how, how often do you go back and uh, revisit schools out the record? I haven't revisited that one all that much either. And I need to, Yeah, because again, I'm even scrolling through that one and I feel like I've listened to that one a little less than billion. Yeah. But then, but then it's like, love it to death. Ah, they're, Almost every song on that record, like I love. Front to back, yeah, killer. That that's my favorite Alice Cooper record. You know, it's, it it barely constitutes as a record. It's eight songs, but it's still thirty six minutes. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, so it's like, but but that seriously is my favorite record, followed by Welcome to My Nightmare, because the Ezrin aspect of that I thoroughly enjoy, like the storybook aspect of it, the story of Steven and you know the way all that goes down. See, I looked at it through the. Uh, like a song pattern like uh, approach to it as far mm-hmm. as his uh, lens through it right and kind of like uh, you can t- clearly tell the difference between what they did before um, Love It to Death 
Right. It's like almost sounds like a completely different band. And the same with uh, oh yeah, Kiss. But, same with Hanoi Rocks. Well, the thing is, is even I can even find one song. I think it's on Pretties for You. Um, just going through now, just to see if that's where I'm thinking, or, but I, or maybe it's on Easy Action that I'm thinking. But now I'm thinking of the context that of uh, Pink Floyd because he did the Wall as well. So mm-hmm. I have to re- go back and uh, revisit it through that lens now, as far as like the nightmare story arc and stuff like that too. I'm sitting there going like, damn it, now I need to go back and listen to those again. <laughs> well, it's like on uh, Easy Action. I actually like Beautiful Flyaway. Yeah, the one that's like primarily piano. The dun 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 dun. I I think that's just a really nice one, and I don't and think I like, Cooper sings that one. I think um, shoot, his name's uh just left me. Not um uh, not Dunaway, the guitarist. Was uh Glenn? Wasn't Bucks and wasn't Michael Bruce? I think possibly. We gotta do uh, our research. the guitarist was uh he he sang that one. The, the one that's still alive or the one that died? Oh, you're asking me too much. <laughs> the guitarist of this era. <laughs> <laughs> there were two of them. <laughs> it was either one of the either one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I I just enjoy that one. And then 80s, there wasn't that much. <laughs> now, I can I make an album th- out of it. Well, I don't know. There was another uh, lens to look through with. Uh, I was listening to interviews with Desmond Child not too long ago, and then you uh, go through like the 80s bands especially through like alice cooper you can clearly tell uh desmond child wrote fucking uh house of fire fucking uh poison because those are all essentially living on a prayer fucking mm-hmm. you give love a bad name or every 80s kiss song well i i find it funny you threw kiss in that um because i just round off what i was kind of leading up with it's like i felt like he didn't have another solid album until eyes of alice cooper and then dirty diamonds but then after that even I don't feel like he's had another strong record after that. <laughs> Not since the wall, I don't think. No, maybe Hanoi Rocks. But I'm, I'm talking was, about Alice Cooper. Oh, it's about Alice Cooper. No, yeah, that's why I was saying the eyes of Alice Cooper and then Dirty Diamonds. It's like I, those two, and then after that, I don't feel like there was another strong one. I like Along Came a Spider, and then Welcome Dose My Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I haven't revisited that one at all. It's, it's actually welcome to my nightmare, yeah. but it, but it's you you only catch that if you're actually looking at it, hearing someone say it. You you could you would confuse it. With that new one he put one. out wasn't so bad though. I, I guess I have to revisit that. Yeah, one. well, the last EP that he did with all the uh, the covers. Well, oh yeah, and that was good too. I guess I kind of don't include that one, but I <laughs> but but I do find it funny, kind of bring it back what you said earlier with Kiss, which was when you were talking about Poison and shit like that, and mm-hmm. sounding like every other you know pop repetitive or, chorus for like eight bars or whatever. It, all those pop pop rock eighties glam you know songs of the eighties. It's because Alice Cooper fell into the same trap that Kiss did, which was what made both of those bands so unique and so special starting out with is they were breaking the mold. They were doing something so different and so unique for what it was. Alice Cooper had, you know, these really, when you look back at it, intelligent songs, you know, but this crazy stage persona. But then Kiss, they had songs about, you know, liquor and women, you know, and it was like, you know, and now you've got four of them up on stage and breathing fire and, you know, exploding shit in your face. It's like, wow, both of these bands are groundbreaking and doing something kind of different with the stage. Then when the 80s hit, 
they started following the trail. Yeah, Alice Cooper definitely fell into that trap, and so did Kiss, so did fucking Aerosmith. I feel that's the most evident with Alice Cooper during the Brutal Planet Dragontown era. Yeah. He wanted to be Rob Zombie. <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like white zombie Rob Zombie music. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then with Kiss, it sounds like a lot of that 80s material. It was Bon Jovi like Van, as shit. I was going to say Bon Jovi and Van Halen. Yep. I, I hear those two. And and again, that kind of solidifies my whole God. not caring for Van Halen. I don't care for 80s Kiss Well, either. that was like Sammy Hagar era stuff when all that was starting to, go, starting to like get really glossy and poppy and shit like that. And they yeah. were like way like more like, ugh, like for, more like foreigner than fucking Bon Jovi even. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Alice Cooper and Kiss, they all kind of had to uh, evolve with the 80s because they were already just such a visual band, too. It's just yeah. like their approach just wasn't cutting it for the time, so they had to adapt to the times because they got put into a, their corners of being their characters. So I feel they like Paul, to sell that. I feel like Paul adapted well. Gene didn't know what Gene the fuck did. to do with himself. That's why he was hardly ever there. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what to do with himself anymore. Paul Stanley's like, fuck it, I'll be Bon Jovi for a decade. Oh, he wanted to be Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, kind of to bring it back to Ezrin again and Kiss, uh, something you mentioned earlier, which was uh, Destroyer actually is not your favorite Kiss album. No. So, so what about that <clears throat> one really doesn't hit you? I think it was a little too glossy, mm-hmm. and that's just like a mixed thing, really. Arrangement-wise, like, it, yeah, you totally see Ezrin's hands all over it, but from like a mix, I guess Master kind of deal, it just doesn't pop as much as, say, Love Gun or uh, Rock and Roll Over or whatever. Right. And I feel it's interesting with Destroyer versus like any of the Ezrin stuff with Cooper, because... I think the only Ezrin albums were Destroyer, Elder, and Revenge. Yeah. Okay. So Revenge might be my favorite of the three. <laughs> <laughs> well, so of course I'll give Elder a pass because that was drugged out, cocaine fueled Ezrin and Kiss following, oh, starting yeah. to follow the Pink Floyd trend. Yeah, that was the start of their trend following. So. There was a lot of things coming into play. They wanted radio play. They wanted press. A lot A lot of bad judgments were being made, not for the sake of music. So I, I feel like that one's a special case. But, yeah. but like looking at Destroyer versus like Billion Dollar or Welcome to My Nightmare, it feels like Cooper took more of what Ezrin gave him and ran with it more. Whereas with Kiss, or actually, no, in reverse, it feels like those albums you can clearly hear when Ezrin has an effect on an Alice Cooper record, rather. Yeah. It feels like with Kiss, after Destroyer, they kind of just implemented that. Like, they didn't need Ezrin anymore. Like, they got that moment, and they're like, okay, this is what we want out of records They're like, oh, this is how you do it right. Yeah, so so it almost feels like, uh, with Cooper, again, uh, just to reiterate, because I've got it confused at first— you can clearly hear the Ezrin albums with Cooper. Yeah. It feels like, yes, you can clearly hear Ezrin's fingerprints on stuff like um, Great Expectations or uh, Shout It Out Loud or, you know, stuff like that, you know. Or even like the uh, just the ideas to to add in like the piano layers and that arrangement of the guitar solo, whatever, is very... And like orch- Shout It Out Loud. Yeah, that's all yeah. very orchestral. Oh, absolutely. 
So even though Kiss may have stripped that back a little bit for Rock and Roll Over, it started seeping back in again come Love Gun. And I think that's one of my favorites. And I think that's the reason it's my favorites because it's like Destroyer rethought, if that makes any sense. They kind of uh, took their uh, approach with like, you know, their crushing rock and roll with the like the actual songwriting arrangement styles that as Asrin kind of like implemented into the band. Yeah, because look at something like Christine 16. That's got a piano in it. Yep. You know, uh, Tomorrow and Tonight has female background vocals in it. You know, so it, it feels like they kind of learned those tricks and then implemented it themselves later on. And I love listening for like little dumb shit like that just to figure out what makes a song pop more and stuff like that too because we did that here and there on our record and everything. Oh, yeah. No, and uh, one of my favorite things is uh, Kiss did a deluxe version of Love Gun pretty recently and uh, they had an instrumental demo version of tomorrow and tonight and it's like you can really hear like the different chord progressions that get masked during the verses because the guitars are doing so much more during the verses than what you can hear because paul's on top of it you know doing his thing but it's really cool actually peeling just back that one layer just remove the vocals and it's like all of a sudden you hear all this extra guitar work in it and you're like oh wow this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the little things that they were like toying with. Yeah. Well, not even things that we're toying with. Just like something that sounds like just a basic riff. Then when you're listening to it carefully, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot more frill to it. There's a lot more movement to it, if that makes sense. It's like weaving. Keith Richards called it a guitar weaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of just a basic A chord, it's like an A with a little bit of an accent. And then it kind of bends and shit like that where... Maybe with the vocals on top, it sounds like just a basic A chord. Oh yeah, that's why I nerd out on Rolling Stones records so much because like on one year you'll hear like the fucked up open G tunings that Keith is playing riffs on, and then you'll hear uh, on the other ear uh, Mick Taylor solo, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like all his little like uh, regular chord standard uh, things that he does with Keith. Yeah, and then all the insane rhythms on top of it, <laughs> <laughs> all the shit that they buried. That's that's another thing too, like all the added layers that all their session guys would put on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was a band I hadn't really dug into too deep. I don't know why Any, anything I've heard from the stones. I like stones was one of those when I was getting into it. I, I heard all the uh, hits on the radio so many times and I didn't take them seriously as musicians. Really. It's like, Oh, Keith Richards isn't that good of a guitar player. And then I look up the tabs and he just, he's good because he writes songs in these fucked up guitar tunings. <laughs> no. And, and I wouldn't even I definitely wouldn't even come from a place of not thinking they're good musicians. And any song of theirs I've heard, I've not Ever, disliked. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know why I've not really dug into their catalog more. It's just. And the deep cuts just kind of like hit me way more than the hits did. But once you like appreciate the deep cuts, you start appreciating the hit, the hits and everything. And then you go like, Oh, this is what the Rolling Stones are anyway. And this yeah. is just the brown sugar is just the peak, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what would you say? Like is probably the quintessential or at least like couple quintessential, like rock and roll records. <sighs> well, you, that's a loaded question because oh, there's so many, it, fucking, it, there's so many genres. I'm like, the, well, well, all right, for me, maybe at least like from the eras that we've been pulling from like the mid seventies kind of thing for me. Funhouse by the Stooges for one. Yeah. And probably Exile on Main Street by the Stones. Really? For me. Yeah, I guess I guess that is why I just gotta revisit them because that that's I don't know, just for some reason the Stones just were not one that Exile's a good one to start with because there's like 
one or two like B hits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Tumbling Dice is on there, Happy is on there, and then it's a double album of just non radio hits. It's good it's a good album. Yeah. What would you say, uh what was the uh, first one you listed off? Oh yeah, uh, Fun House. Fun House by the Stooges, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I would definitely agree on Funhouse. That that, that was is, just one of those albums where I when I first put it on or when I first heard it, I was like, "Holy shit, you can do that on guitar and not have to be fucking good at it or whatever." <laughs> I was like, and this is like the most like insane music I've ever. It was like one of those moments where it's like you hear music for the first time. Oh yeah, no, I Iggy was always one that grabbed me from an earlier age. That 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 was never one I had to figure out. You know how some bands you kind of have to figure out with age. Like Sex Pistols. I had to figure them out when I got older. Yeah. You know, it's like when I first heard them, when I was getting into my whole punk thing, you know, at 11, 12, 13, I just didn't understand the Sex Pistols. It was mainly Rotten's voice. I'm just like, what, what the fuck? It took me a minute, too. And that's how I was with I was the like, Ra- give me my Ramones. Give me my Misfits. I don't, I don't, it's a, I don't That's how I was this. with the Ramones. It took me a minute to uh, to get the Ramones. Yeah. But that was after the Stooges, too. Like, the Stooges like was just immediate, too. Mm-hmm. And that never changed either. Also, <laughs> that's why they're the best. No, I would say the the only bands that really actually had like an immediate grab on me was uh, Kiss, Ramones, and uh, Misfits. I feel like those were the first bands that just immediately like as as soon as I heard like the first chord from any of those bands, I was like, "This is my band." <laughs> Stooges was one. Black Sabbath was one. Mm-hmm. Particularly when I heard the title track because that's pro- that was like. As a little kid, that was the only so, only song that ever scared me. Really? Like, Just because fucking, of that like, intro and the, and the bell. <laughs> <laughs> the brilliance of how raw that record is. And Ozzy's legit sounds terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about old uh, 70s songs that terrify you. Um I knew a guy up in uh, Roanoke, and we were just talking music like what we're doing now. And uh, I forget who brought it up, but someone brought up The Doors. And he goes... I don't like the fucking Doors, man. The Doors was one of those bands for me, too. <laughs> it was? Because he goes, the organ fucking creeps me out, man. Dude. And I'm like, really? I said, so even on like, you know, um, what's that one? Come on, come on, come on. Now touch me, <laughs> Well, whatever. That, I've, but, I'm yeah, that one. Blanking on the fucking title. Touch but me. I was, yeah, okay, yeah, touch me. I just didn't know if it was that on the nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was like, so even that song? I said, that's a happy organ. And he's like, yeah, man, it still creeps me the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) No, they have one song called uh, Not to Touch the Earth, where it's like it just kind of drones out. Yeah. And Jim Morrison does like the whole I'm the Lizard King, I can do anything. And then it ends with the organ just kind of doing like a little like flat note, like that's really like sharp and brass. Uh huh. (laughs) And it just, I don't know, when you hear it the first time, it it freaks you out. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, motherfucker. (laughs) I can't really think of a band that creeped me out i definitely got an unnerving feeling the first time i listened to the misfits mainly because of my first record was earth ad so by the time i'm getting into like demonomania it, it had like a different vibe to the record than what i was used to it's like it didn't creep me out but it's like it almost felt like oh this is more serious you know it's like that was the first time i actually actually got a vibe and that was after listening to black sabbath and ozzy and kiss That's, and some other stuff but like that record resonated with me a bit more going like this this is a bit more brutal this is a bit more evil <laughs> that's, a, that's how it was with like rap music starting off it's like they're saying rough shit like this 
Because I discovered that before I discovered the Misfits, Misfits because fucking middle of nowhere town where like all you got was like Fuse and fucking uh, MTV and that was it. Yeah. Well, Fuse was still pretty good uh, for showing like some hardcore uh, videos. I mean, they did a lot of like <clears throat> mall punk, a lot of fucking... Uh, this was, like when I was watching Fuse, it was like tw- uh, early 2000s. Yeah, so, same here. So it was a lot of... You know, radio rock and a lot of uh, a lot of emo and a mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of fucking Lil John, <laughs> a lot of Usher, <laughs> and I watched all of it. <laughs> nah, that was uh. Now I remember, I remember Fuse, and I specifically remember it had to be during that time too because I remember when fucking American Idiot came out. You couldn't fucking yeah. go past that channel without them showing the video, promoting the record, or the. Green Day doing an in-studio performance. so sick of that album. <laughs> Even they're sick of that album. Yeah. Like, like Billy Joe, like a few years ago, maybe like three or four years ago, just doing like a random interview was like, if I never had to play that song again, I would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, of all songs. He goes, if I never had to play that one again, I would be just peachy fine. I wonder if he's just like, I'm just not that guy anymore. <laughs> well, I don't think he's just that guy anymore, but it's like, even with something like Longview or Welcome to Paradise. That just that looks like it's still fun to play. Yeah. It feels like after a while, American Idiot just turns into a chore. <laughs> <laughs> and it also, those songs in the mid-90s, they got their MTV pop. But it didn't blow up like American Idiot that, did. Where like, American Idiot blew the fuck up. Because I already like you know fucking basket case and like all the like i was already you know kind of into green day yeah. before american idiot came out so i was kind of like oh sweet a new green day album's coming out and then i saw like all my friends wearing like green day pins and stuff mm-hmm. like that too it's like huh yeah that was the moment that they became a household name it's yeah. like they, they people were fully aware of who they were but i do feel that that was like that defining moment for them of like boom that's when they popped on that next level so it feels like because of the culture at the time, and especially with the internet where it was, that song was a lot easier to travel. That was a, definitely a right place, right time record. And a lot of it was, you know, because the content was of the time, too. Absolutely. So I feel like even though they would have had more years behind them with songs from Dookie, Insomniac, whatever the fuck. I feel like even though they've had more time to play those songs, it wasn't such a loud bang and pop to where if they went on a radio station, they could just play something from their new album. Now, when they went on a radio station, they had to play American Idiot. Yeah. You know, it was like they didn't have a fucking choice now. It's like before it was like we could switch it up. This time we're going to play Longview. You know, the other time, oh, we might do, you know, Brain Stew. You know, it's like, you know, they, they'll change it up or hell, oh, fuck man. it. Or, or hell, fuck it. Here's Minority off our new record. You know, it's like they didn't give a shit. But it's like even when they were promoting albums after that, they were still playing American Idiot. <laughs> It's like one of those where it's like, uh, are they becoming the band where like nobody's going to give a fuck about new music going forward? Hmm. I don't know. Especially after this, uh, this new uh, this trio of singles that I actually like, but you know, it's. Did you listen to the new one? The new one's weird because it's they blatantly use the Joan Jack Gary Glitter. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, they definitely was did. Was that on purpose or? Oh, it's a direct sample. Oh, okay. But still. And I did find it odd, but I, I follow Billy's Instagram and he posted some little text photo. I guess because a lot of people, you know, were just asking questions on there. So he just did like a quick AMA thing, oh, okay. just like just talking about the record and the single and shit. And uh, he had like a few things up top. He was like, you know, record comes out here, you know, tour starts then. Um, he goes, uh, for the new single, I always pictured in my head sampling that oh yeah part. And he said he also originally wanted to call it a burning books in a bulletproof book bag, which, right. is, which, is, which is a line in the song, but right. that was the original title for it. But then he went on to say, because again, understanding the way music rights are, who do you think's getting the money for that? Right. Not Joan Jett. Yeah. Gary Glitter, whoever runs not, his. Not even Gary Glitter, the producer for... Uh, or the manager, producer, whatnot, that was managing the Runaways later on, Joan Jett. That oh, was the fucking, abuser. Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that he like later out came out to be like an abuser for any female yeah. acts that he worked with. Fuck, what is his name? That's going to bug the hell yeah. out of me, but don't, I know who you're talking about. Doesn't even fucking matter. Exactly. His name's pointless. But <laughs> what they're doing is any of the proceeds from that song are being donated to women's shelters. Oh, okay. so it's like he has to get his cut, but fuck you. We're donating the money to women's shelters and like women's organizations. Nice. So, I, so I wonder if that was intentional just as like one of those little jabs of like, yeah, you're going to get your tiny royalty check, but look what we're doing. Quote unquote in your name. Huh. All right. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was an interesting political move. Uh, it is, but uh, it's like going back and listening to it. It's like, uh, does that make it better? So of course it makes it better, but. Well, I don't think it improves the song at all. Right. But I think it. it That's adds what I was an, trying to politely say. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it improves the song at all, but I think it adds an interesting layer to it. It definitely does. I, I, st I still listen to it as just a sample from Joan Jett. I, I hear it as just Green Day being influenced by that moment from that song, which clearly they were. But the interesting workaround, instead of them receiving a profit on it, is, well, we're just going to flip it around and do this. Kim Foley, that was the piece of there shit's name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 three singles that came out, they they are pretty different. Um, I I like the last one that came out. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I think the video for it makes it. If you hadn't seen the video the for the, it, uh, the dancing girls behind them and all that. Or, no, no, no. That that was the first video for um, Father of All. Yeah. Uh, was that the name of the song too? I think so. Right. Either way. <laughs> and then the second song never had a video, uh, but this newest one, the one with the Oh Yeah samples, uh, right. that has a video to it. And it's 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 really interesting. And I think that one works. I have to revisit that one. I think it functions better as a music video than it does a single, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Isn't it weird how songs do that sometimes? Where it's like yeah, you picture then, the, the visual with it more than anything. And then sometimes a video can ruin a song. Like you have a certain it. image in your head and then you see the video and you're like, oh, that's what you guys had in mind? Oh, man. I had something cooler in mind for this. <laughs> Just like certain eras of uh, <laughs> of like Alice Cooper or Kiss or whatever with like... Uh, <laughs> With 80s glam, I, with 80s glam kiss, I just picture like the colorful fucking gloves and shit like that. The banana that. gloves. Yes. What was, which one was that one? Tears are falling. Uh, 
tears are falling and uh hell i think he wore them and uh, all night too uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst video everyone always goes to tears are falling because that was a more popular single look up the video for uh all night that is oh, the God. worst video ever i can't remember or at least that the one. worst kiss video ever i'm gonna have to now, now you're going to make me go that's, upstairs and rewatch it before I go to bed now. <laughs> that's the one that had all the girls that were dressed up like semi-nurses, but they all had like the curly blonde wigs and they're all pushing like these beds on a cart. That was every 80s video. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, you, you remember the chorus of the song, right? Yeah, but I don't remember anything about the video. All right. Got, All right. So, like, when they're doing that part, they're like sitting, and like Eric's like drumming onto nothing, and Paul's like got his legs awkwardly spread, and he's like hammering on his knees and oh shit, my God. And, like bobbing side to side. I can't wait to watch this now. <laughs> it's, it's it's worse than Tears Are Falling. Like, at least with Tears Are Falling, there's an eightiesness to it. That is semi enjoyable. What about the glossy bullshit or whatever? (laughs) But like uh, all night is just bad. It's bad. (laughs) No, we would watch these like VH1 classic, you know, marathons or whatever. And whenever anytime an 80s kiss video would would come on, we'd be like, ugh, click. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one that also it starts uh, where he's, oh God, I completely forgot about the intro. It's the one where he's kind of in this. industrial looking basement he's walking down the steps during that intro that that's how the song starts okay while, while that's happening he's like walking down these steps he's got on like a fucking like those you remember that in the 80s it was real fashionable to wear those uh police hats yeah. or like the conductor looking hats <laughs> he had that on but like pulled down real low to where you couldn't like see his face like looking down with like this trench coat on and it looks like just a standard trench coat but then I don't when know the if song, I remember this then when the song kicks in the lights cut on but the trench coat is all fucking bedazzled and shit and he whips around and does like this like the most feminine 80s like Paul face ever and like semi lifts the hat and like puts it back down with like this huge ass pout on his face like i'm just like oh my god which one was this was this like hot in the shade or whatever this is asylum asylum okay yeah (laughs) it's bad it's really bad i can't you're gonna put me down an 80s kiss rabbit hole tonight god damn it i'm sorry Now, I've been, it's weird. I've kind of been revisiting that a little bit anyway because I hear it talked about on like fucking Eddie Trunk show and shit like that because the guy put out a book about 80s Kiss. So it kind of made me go like, oh man, was it as bad as I remember? Let me revisit it. And it kind of is. <laughs> I can make, uh, I could probably make an album out of 80s Kiss. Probably the only 80s Kiss record I will actually go revisit is Crazy Nights. <laughs> like seriously, that that's really the only one because there's a handful of songs in there I do enjoy. The title track, um, as goofy as it fucking is, the like top five. I'm saying it up front. I understand this. I get it. This top five worst lyrics ever. <laughs> Dumbest song. 
but it'll get fucking stuck in my head. And all I want to do is just fucking bob along to it. It's <laughs> bang, bang, you. <laughs> Stupidest song ever. Bang, bang, you. I'm going to shoot you oh, with my love gun, Alex baby. has his favorite hair band songs. <laughs> God, it's, it's the worst lyrics ever. But it's so fucking catchy. Oh, my God. But no, and then, um, like, no, no, no. Like, God. that's just straight, like, just Gene trying to be, like, 80s hair metal dude. And it's, like, just all Bruce Kulick guitar the entire... It's, like, a, it's a long solo. That's all the song is, is a long-ass fucking Bruce Kulick solo. Crazy Nights, huh? You're, you're gonna make me go, go listen to that, too, huh? And I will say, <laughs> the best 80s Kiss song is on this record. And it's not Crazy Nights? It's not Crazy Nights. <laughs> it's Turn On The Night. <laughs> oh, God. They talked about that, too. Everybody everybody in the fucking, like, uh, in the podcast I listen to is, like, yeah. Eddie Trunk, whatever. They all say, it's like, yeah, that's my favorite 80s Kiss song, it too. It is the best 80s Kiss song ever. It's got great fucking chorus. It's got great Paul lyrics. and Well, lyrics and vocal. I don't know. There's just something about that song that's just really fucking good. The video's dumb again, but <laughs> but the song is just really great. I thoroughly enjoy that track. I don't know. <laughs> Heaven's on Fire might be mine. Give me the Alive Three version. Yeah, <laughs> especially I, I don't with, really care for the recorded version. Especially with the like the uh, the isolated like a uh, chorus by itself with the drum beat. The harmonies mm-hmm. on it are fucking sick. Oh yeah. See so, yeah the the. Um, yeah, I, I just definitely prefer the Alive 3 one. But no, lick it up, horrible. Analyze. <laughs> Asylum, garbage. Hot in the shade, glorified uh, demo record that's fucking 15 songs and an hour long. Yeah, that's a little exhausting. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's any hour-long Kiss record is. <laughs> Unless you're doing like back-to-back, you know. Yeah, love gun yeah, yeah. whatever we can spit, <laughs> spit all night <laughs> pairing those <laughs> yeah so again there's plenty of stinkers on crazy nights like like good girl gone bad is fucking horrible <laughs> when your walls come down is so forgettable my way that it's that's the cheesiest song on the record so there, there's plenty on there i don't like but there's enough strong songs to where that's the one 80s kiss record i'll go revisit would you count revenge as 80s kiss no because that came out in 1992 because uh, that's, that's always lumped in too well, probably because it's the same. Well, no, that's Eric Singer on the record. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. I see it as a completely different era. And even Hot in the Shade, that was 89. That is 80s yeah. kiss. And the thing is, is actually, hmm, all right, fine, fine. If we want to go absolute, like to the year, technically the best 80s kiss record is Unmasked. That came out in 1980. Give me. Danger, danger. No, that, that wasn't unmasked. That was uh, creatures of the night. Was that creatures? Yeah, it was unmasked. Unmasked has what uh, I like from uh, Shant. Yeah, I was okay. gonna say unmasked is the true disco kiss record. Everyone wants to point to Dynasty all because oh, of no. I was made for love. Shandy you. Is, di- is like like blatantly fucking disco. Oh no, dude. Unmasked is their fucking like glam poppy disco <laughs> record, and I love it. Like, is that you, Shandy? Talk to me, Naked City. What makes Naked the world City. go round? Tomorrow, uh, two sides of the coin. She's so European. Easy as it seems. Torpedo Girl. You're all that I want. 
I listened to that. I'll listen to every one of those. Last time I listened, <laughs> I think the last time I listened to that was before like the uh, sh- the show I went to. Yeah, put me back back down the rabbit hole uh, for a little bit, and I have haven't revisited it since because it's like you know how you go see a band and, and that kind of like uh I'm good for listening to them for a while. Yeah. You kind of take a break from them after you've seen them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how it was with Kiss with me for a second. No, and actually this record has probably it released top three favorite Ace solos, which is Talk to Me. That solo in Talk to Me yeah. is all fucking harmony. It's that is it's a very well crafted solo. I love that one. Now for revisit. I mean, now I, want, I mean, I, I, like, no, I know it. It's like I hear it, and I was like, oh, I want to go listen to all of it now. <laughs> Guys, make playlists. Uh, listen to the listen to the show. Make a playlist and send them to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or call a hotline. Do whatever. <laughs> we still have it. We just hadn't talked about it. Give us your give us your lists. <laughs> no, well, I'm planning on doing more with the phone number and all that stuff eventually. Nice. We just we've just had a lot going on and get a little bit more listenership up. I think we tried doing that just too early. Nah, it's just still uh still a, a a work in progress, but we're having fun doing it. And- oh, absolutely. I just like being nerdy on this kind of thing every now and then. Oh yeah, no, I do too. Oh man, what, what was I going to say about uh? It's <sighs> <laughs> just like, yeah, we've covered all ground. Eighties Kiss, huh? <laughs> Was well, there any other little music topics you're wanting to delve into? Man, we were nerding out on uh, something I'd like to do, but uh, we'll uh, figure that out here before too long. What? Uh. Uh, just Alice Cooper stuff that we oh, were yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bullshitting on. Yeah. Well, I guess if we don't really have that much more to go into, we already kind of mentally told ourselves, and we're actually in about that time, too. There you go. <laughs> Even on that. So if we really don't have anything else to go over, might as well not fill up space with shit people don't give a crap about. It's time to dig on into that Spotify playlist and figure out what the fuck we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Cap. What the hell you been listening to? Just a lot of Alice Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, what album have you been listening to? (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Just <laughs> actually been listening to a lot of uh, Nightmare this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Just been revisiting that. And what think, would you think, say favorite on that one is? Cold Ethel. Really? Yeah, I just like the riffs and like all the little things on top of it, and Steve Hunter's guitar playing. Yeah, if I have to like pick favorite song on the record, probably either Cold Ethel or uh, Black Widow. But I love favorite, Black, Widow, Black Widow too. But favorite track on the record is Steven. Just that one where it's the girl yelling in the background, and he's like, is that my mom calling? And it's just the weird chimes and shit in the background. Yeah. That's such a cool track. It is pretty cool. <laughs> I love that one. So, but, yeah, that's my favorite track on the record, but favorite songs are definitely Cold Ethel and uh, Black Widow. Then I want to give uh, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts a shout-out. Got to see them last night. Oh, word, yeah. For the third time, and kind of familiar with the songs now, so... I'm pretty excited about the new record whenever they get that uh, set up. Yeah, and uh, he's got uh, that single out right now, uh, What Kind of Love, I believe. Yep. And uh, that's in the Something Good For You playlist. Check that in the show notes. 
Yeah, that's, I'm like you said. I'm I'm really looking forward to the record uh, because hearing the live songs, there's. In my opinion, I feel that there's going to be songs that are going to be on this record that way fucking like leave that song almost in the fucking dirt because there's like songs that I hear him play that I'm just like, holy fuck, I can't wait to hear that on record. With <laughs> it's all like the- it's like this is a good taste, but anyone that's seen him live knows that like that song's fun live, but there are so many other songs in that set that's like, holy fuck. <laughs> and like through the lens of like the studio work and everything too, I'm very curious to hear how they sound on record oh, with all like too, the uh, little like bits he puts on there. We talk about like Bob, Bob Ezrin isms and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually that kind of oddly ties into <laughs> what I was going to be talking about because I'm going to wind up cheating. This is not on Spotify yet, but uh, the good folks at Rosser, the band Rosser, uh, actually sent us, I want to say an advanced copy because I kind of looked around like it's not out digitally. I looked on their website. It didn't look like they had them like available yet. I'm sorry, guys, if I'm getting this wrong, but holy fuck, uh, Rosser sent, me a co- sent us a copy of um, their date, I guess debut, their new record and it's on vinyl and I thoroughly enjoy these guys. A little background. It's cool. <clears throat> a little background. Speaking of Tuck, uh, we saw these guys open for them when we went to Atlanta. Yep. And um, I shared a couple of the videos and shit on uh, our Instagram through the uh, stories. And uh, they just randomly hit me up and was like, hey, do you want to check out the new record? So I did. And I would definitely say that it's going to be a little different than maybe what our typical audience is into. But it's right up my fucking alley <laughs> because I was not expecting. I I'm, I need to get better at this, but I do. I'm bad at checking out bands on like a show beforehand. Right, like listening to well, we them. don't do our homework before we go uh, see like the opener of somebody we're gonna go yeah, see or whatever. So, so I I really didn't know what the we were walking into when we walked in and I heard these guys. I was just immediately like, holy. Fuck, this is awesome. They, they, they just immediately grabbed me. So as soon as I put the record on, um, we're going to be playing a track at the end of the episode too. Um, but songs like Rabbit's Foot and Loverboy uh, were probably definitely the two standouts for me. Uh, Rabbit's Foot is on Spotify, uh, but Loverboy isn't yet. And that one might be on the end of the uh, episode. There you go. Because, Exclusive. Well, yeah, that's what I want. Because it's like I initially told him, I was like, I want to put Rabbit's Foot on there. And he was like, sweet. You know, that's awesome, man. Thank you. And then like maybe 30 minutes later, because I was listening to it as I sent him that, I was like, I actually might want to put Loverboy on there. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's a fun one. And I'm like, that's not approval. Yeah. He's like, Does that count? <laughs> so I'm going to hit him up one more time and be like, can I please use Loverboy? <laughs> it's so fucking good. No, it's a killer record. I put, uh, he put it on. I checked it out the other day and I dig it. Yeah, it's it's definitely surprising. It definitely stri- it definitely hits in that... Um, you're like new wavey, yeah, like I would say like cars an 80s, kind of stuff. There you go. 80s new wave cars kind of era, but it still has a certain like rock aspect to it. That's yeah. just still got like plenty of guts to it. Yeah, there's it's and really good songwriting. Yep. Speaking I, of arrangements <laughs> and stuff like that, because really good songs. Uh, it was actually produced by Rosser, of course, and uh, Dan Dixon. Which you were telling me... He engineers all of uh, Tuck's records with biters and gunpowder and all that, too. Yeah, so that seems to all kind of, you know, make it all come back into play. And it's all part of the the cool rock and roll family that we're slowly permeating ourselves into. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we knew how to... Now, since we don't know how to make records, we're like, oh, he does this. That's cool. It is. And it's especially cool because it's like, I didn't 
noticed the connection until when I was playing it and you were just looking over the liner notes and such. And when you brought that up, all of a sudden I immediately heard the drum See, tones. I'm such like a, I'm that studio nerd where it's yeah. like, Oh, that sounds like something such and such would do and shit mm-hmm. like that. Like we've been talking about this whole fucking time. Yeah. And it's like, it, and all of a sudden you, as soon as you said that I heard the drum tones, it's like, yep. Oh, yep. That sounds reminiscent of biter tone or a tuck tone or you know gunpowder tone and it's cool just to kind of see how each one of these bands has their own identity none of them sound the same but you can add those little elements to it that connects it all together that makes it like part of a unified thing yeah and i think part of that's like a certain mix style and everything too Mm -hmm. and again and the great thing about it is hearing all these similarities but having all these bands with their own identity still because this is completely different than like what tuck or gunpowder gray would oh do. yeah so to be able to hear them still stretch their arms and you know and do this music that you know they clearly love i think it shows through on this record so definitely check them out uh this is not a fucking paid promo i was just genuinely excited to get the record <laughs> <laughs> so i'm genuinely like boosting these guys up i'm an actual fan that's a killer fucking record <laughs> so i'm not bullshitting you guys go check them out the band rosser.com www.t-h-e-b-a-n-d-r-o-s-s-e-r.com and i believe it's the same thing on their instagram the band rosser check them out give them a little support tell them that something good for you guys send them over your way and yeah we already talked about our shows at the top of the episode so yeah still here by our vinyl record (laughs) (laughs) we'll put it at the top and the bottom yeah that's right cap do you have an outro for us oh man uh check out roster they're awesome
I was thinking about that too, like, uh, <laughs> as it was winding down, just like, fuck, I gotta think of something. <laughs> and I forget every fucking time. <laughs> I don't know why, because I'll get, tr I'll get in the middle of the conversation, it's like, oh yeah, now I gotta do this thing. This has been another amazing production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.